good day and welcome to Holding Fast. Thanks for being in the podcast today. How is your anchor holding? Is it gripped firmly to the solid rock of Scripture? Well, we begin this podcast today. I've really been toying with what I'm going to do. I have so many things that uh, I want to spend some time just discussing with you and hopefully sharing with you blessings that God has left me as I'm reading through my Bible, those little choice nuggets that God seems to breathe life into your own soul as you read through the scriptures. And that's been happening me to, uh, to me with the book of Exodus that I've been reading through and many people have in our congregation in our daily reading program. I actually keep a, a yellow legal pad right beside my chair where I sit with my coffee every day and meditate on the Word of God and there are little germ thoughts, little seed thoughts that uh, as I read through the scripture, I jot things down that would be maybe uh, good opportunities for a podcast. The problem is there's so many of them and uh, they seem to be endless. I'm going to have to pastor for six lifetimes in order to share all the things that have been such blessings to me. God's word is that way. He meets us where our need is, does he not? Uh, I don't know how many times I've read through the the, the entire Bible, but uh, every time I read through it, I discover something afresh that I really not, I'd probably I know I didn't notice there before, but because of my circumstance in life or somebody else's life that I'm ministering to, that there is a need there that's absolutely met in the Word of God. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to share one of those one of those uh, nuggets with you tomorrow, uh, in the, or in the next podcast anyway. Uh, but I wanted to spend some time uh, today in the podcast in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. This was a passage that I toyed with preaching on uh, for, at a recent funeral that we had at our church uh, for a dearly beloved brother who went on home to be with the Lord. There were so many texts that I wanted to draw from, but there simply wasn't time to do so. And I always, I always want to at a funeral when people are particularly sensitive to eternity, when they're looking with an eye towards the fact that we all will die at one point and we have to be ready and prepared there's always uh, the uh, the uh, importance of making sure that the gospel is clearly understood. In a funeral situation, you typically will have people there that will be very uh, contemplative. They'll be very introspective and thinking about things. And so it's a great opportunity to give the gospel. And you know what? I do that on this podcast every now and then because I have people that will be very uh, very hit and miss about which ones they listen to. And I don't ever know. Sometimes they'll click on one in the middle of a series and you don't know what, the, which one they're going to be tuning in. And so the more gospel I put in, the more opportunity, uh, it'll be that they'll hit one and be able to think about eternity. Today's passage of scripture from Luke 23 is about uh, a, a dialogue, a conversation that took place between Jesus and somebody in his life. And I always love those conversations. I love those dialogues that take place because it really does expose for me what the heart of our Savior is really all about. And I don't suppose that you see that any more clearly than in here in this chapter, Luke 23, because it's a passage in which, of course, at our Savior's most dire moment, most difficult time in his life on this earth, was a, an interview that he had with a man that was hanging on a cross next to him. 
We know that the Bible says that that's exactly what happened. In Luke 23, 32, the Bible says, And there were also two other malefactors, criminals literally, led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And then Jesus said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And so you have the, the uh, narrative here that tells us about what happens and about the soldiers and the people, the people that were deriding him and mocking him, uh, saying slanderous things about him. Uh, and down in verse 39, Scripture says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the next verse, in verse 40, the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we received the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, literally, truly, I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Wow, what a moment. We know from the other Gospels that both of the malefactors, the criminals that hung on either side at first, uh, really railed and mocked at Christ. Uh, they didn't have good things to say. They obviously were very evil men. They were there for a reason. Uh, but yet we understand that as that time went on, that there began to be a subtle change in one, which I believe and would, would argue was not very subtle at all, but that there was a great shift, a seismic shift in his own thinking. And I want to just talk about that for a few moments, because in this, in this dying thief on the cross, uh, you have a moment in his life that was going to change things for him for all of eternity. When Jesus died on the cross, uh, the transgressor that was beside him uh, saw Christ in probably all of his glory at that particular moment. And you may ask, well, why would you say that? And the reason is, is because it's, it is very obvious that at that particular moment, Jesus was fulfilling the calling and the mission of his Father in heaven in coming into the world that he might save sinners. Matthew one twenty one says that Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Uh, the fact is that, that's, that the, all of his life was leading up to this moment. Uh, and that he was, in this account, he was doing the very work of saving the lost that he came for. He didn't come to be an example or a moral teacher uh, or some just famous religious leader. He came to provide forgiveness and salvation for your soul. You're listening to me today. I can say that with all the confidence in the world that he loves you. Uh, the great compassion of Jesus here was staggering to me because when I meditate on it, he was suffering in some of the most intense agony that any human being could experience. And yet when he did so, in his own sorrow, in his own excruciating pain, he thought about that dying thief. He literally extended his grace to him. 
Here in his dying hour, you have the very evidence of Jesus' power and purpose and pleasure to save. The deepest significance of this incident is that is that what he did for this thief on that cross, he's ready and willing to do for you today, for anybody, for everyone. It happened 2,000 years ago, but he's the same today. You remember that song we sing in church sometimes? Uh, one of the stanzas goes like this. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day, and there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. You remember that? There is a fountain filled with blood. Well, I love this interview. Let me just give you some thoughts that I have uh, that I want to share with you. Number one, the thing I notice about this conversation that God, uh, that Jesus had with this, with this sinner. The way of salvation was actually very simple, wasn't it? Uh, that's the first thing that stands out to me. Some people think it's so difficult to be saved. Uh, it, it's just hard to come to Christ. It's hard to live up to this list of do's and don'ts, but that's not what salvation is. God has made the way so plain and so very easy to understand. Do you notice that um, that in this request of this man who hung on the cross, he asked that the Lord would remember him in his kingdom. Did you hear that when I read that? And what that does is that really tells you three important things. Number one, he felt and confessed his need of salvation. There must have been a switch that flipped in his mind and in his thinking that he understood I'm in a bad situation. I know I'm a sinner. He as much as confessed that on the cross. Secondly, he believed that the Lord could and would save him, or he would not have asked. Uh, there was something compelling about that moment hanging on that hill where people could see and mock and belittle. But he believed that that, I mean, think about this, folks. They're all hanging on a cross, all three of them. And the one that he's appealing to is, in, is, is nailed and pierced to that cross. And yet this man in faith believed the Lord could save him and would. That's a startling act of faith. Third, I would suggest to you, he committed himself to the Lord and trusted him to save him. You know, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Can I just tell you in a nutshell, that's the simplest way to understand uh, what simple salvation is all about. It's the only way to be saved. There is no other way. It's as simple and amazing as that. Uh, Whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord, Romans ten thirteen, shall be saved. Have you called on him to save you today? Have you trusted in him as your own personal savior? Why don't you come to him today? I don't know who's listening to this, but would you email me at pastornason at gmail.com? And I'd love to hear that if you're thinking of this and you're, you're uh, just uh, meditating on what you ought to do, give me an email and let me know. I'd love to be able to pray for you. Well, I only have time just to mention a couple other things. One of the other things I notice about this conversation with Jesus is that the vilest of sinners can be saved. The guy was a criminal. He's probably a murderer. He had broken laws in the land. He was being crucified for a reason. But the measure of his sin didn't change his chance to be saved. Not one bit. 
Now, there's folks that think they're too far gone. I had somebody tell me last week, oh, I could never walk in that church. The wall, the ceiling had fall in on me and kill me. Uh, you think you're all that? You're That's nothing. That's nothing. I'm telling you right now, Christ can save the worst sinner out there. The most wretched person in the world can be saved. Third, let me suggest uh, salvation happens in an instant. You can receive it in an instant. Uh, that man in verse 42 uh, says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Very next verse. Very next verse, verse 43. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Uh, we understand that can, salvation can happen in just a moment, in just a microsecond of time with that simple act of faith. By the way, today is the day of salvation for you. If you're listening today, don't neglect it. Don't neglect God's offer. Run to Christ. So, and then let me say this. Salvation doesn't depend on ceremonies and rites and good deeds or service. The, the, the dying thief on the cross had, didn't have a chance to get confirmed or dedicated or christened or baptized or made a member of a church. He hadn't come to the Lord's table to celebrate communion. He was saved by grace through faith alone. And last, you can be sure of that salvation. The dying thief was, he was sure that the word of Christ gave him that assurance. You can be saved today. Um, on the authority of God's word, you can know that you possess everlasting life. And that you'll never be judged for your sins because Christ bore that judgment for you. Great day. Could you imagine in heaven when that man got to heaven? I don't think there's anybody else that had a greater, more vivid graphic illustration of his sins being forgiven than hanging beside the Savior of the world, knowing that his judgment was poured out on Jesus. And now he's passed from death to life. Are you today? Have you passed from death to life? I hope so. I'm praying for you. Jesus is the only way you turn to Him.